0: by Armand Carline O'Hanna, the, the right person in the right field.
1: Armand for the equalizer. This is Kira Donnelly for point number 10. Oh, it's, it's up to Kira
0: McGee to come to the goal. Hello and welcome back to the Sideline Night podcast. You're very welcome to our review show. And we're going to discuss the semi-finals from the weekend, both junior and intermediate. Championships now know their final burns. In the junior, it's going to be Cross McLean taking on the Lake, while in the intermediate, it's Kerr Cropon and Colville Rory Cunningham joins me to go over the weekend's games. Rory, thanks very much for coming back on. Um, and we'll just touch on the junior first. The two games were both on Saturday and Sunday night. Saturday's was Cross McGlain defeated um, Derry News by one point, one nine to 11 points, while Blake beat Darcy two 11 to one eleven 11 on Sunday. And what I, I felt about the two games, probably the two best teams on show lost. Derry Noose had ample opportunities to, to try to get a winner or to um, push on further. When they were in the lead, didn't take them on cross. Uh, come back to bite them. While Darcy, after a, a poor opening quarter, they were trailing one four till a point. After fifteen minutes, come out and dom- really dominated the second and third quarter before Blake were fit to pull it back um with a goal at the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was two 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 good games, and you know uh, what championship sem- semifinals should be. You know, absolutely. Uh, Die, die, die in with your boots on by both teams you know and it was two great semi semi-finals. I have some sympathy for Derry Noose first of all you know they've been knocking at the door in junior this last four or five years every time you say you know who's in co- competition for the junior championship Derry is one of the first names that comes up you know and last year that, that massive win over Fork Hill and then didn't get over the line against College Land this year, you know, they seem to have come up against a cross team that has swept all before them in junior, you know. So they've had a rough lay of the land. Uh, and unfortunately, cross McGinn, with that experience, News played the better football. There was you know, there was no doubt about it. Daniels played quality play and they have good forwards at that level, but didn't didn't have enough to see out the game. And cross were able to bring on Johnny Hanratty, Paul McGillen to the fore, you know, to, to carry them over the line. Um
0: and cross, uh, you mentioned Johnny Hanratty, and he's worth mentioning. And um, their kicking game just wasn't working. They must kick three or four over the sideline. And when they were going forward, Patty Kelly swept up everything in front of them for the for he was the die new sweeper. Their kicking game just wasn't working. They introduced Johnny Hanratty with probably about ten minutes left. He came on and kicked one, and he set up another one. And really, he he won the game for them. It's it's massive for a team. Of that, to bring on somebody like Johnny Hanratty that has been there and done it all to come on and win the game?
1: Yeah, g- game intelligence is, is massive and, you know, sometimes it's not about the fitness, it's about knowing what wins games and I think that'll stand to uh, cross um, and look at, you know, not to look too far ahead but the, uh, with the final, you know, there have a lot of players who have played in county, you know, many county, ma- many, many county finals, a lot of them boys have 10-11 county medals in their pockets. So, you know, it'll be a big advantage to them uh, come uh, when they play Balik's.
0: And that's going to be in two weeks' time. And Balik just about got through to the final um, in a really mental game. They they were so dominant in the first quarter. It looked like they were going it to... It was what I expected. I thought Balik would win this game and win it. You know, pulling up probably. But Callum O'Neill was outrageous in the first half he was brilliant he only scored a point but he was involved in everything good that Balik were doing they went one four to one point up at the first water break and I think it was just maybe before the water break or, or just moments after it and um, Callum O'Neill picked up a, a bad shoulder injury and that really dented Balik's chances because not only was he not no longer there to create things Darcy completely took over in the middle of the field and Connor Moley Deserves special mention where he was the driving force behind that comeback.
1: Yeah, as I said, in all four games, uh, you know, or sorry, over the weekend, there's no doubt Connor Moley was probably the outstanding player on show. And uh, in fairness, Dorsey, Dorsey were a credit. They were well organized. You know, they didn't panic when behind, especially going in as the underdogs. And I think they'll be heartbroken that they had the game won. Um and uh, no, especially thanks to Conor Moley who took more hits and more. You know, Balik's tried everything to stop him. You know, within within reason, and he was outstanding. Uh, but uh, Sean McCreesh and uh, James Rapland, uh, in particular, in the last fifteen minutes, really dug uh Balik's out of it when they were four points down and looked like they were they were dead and buried. Um, Darcy had just scored a point to put them four up with ten. You know, 10-12 minutes to go and. Beliefs, uh, to their credit you know and to, to the quality side that they are and maybe just a bit of experience in semi-finals at this level over the last couple of years Garth Thornton has them in, in exceptional uh, condition and uh, that that maybe was apparent over the last 10 minutes you know and uh, their belief uh, and their ability to kick the big scores kick them over the line Um and as I said, Sean McLeish's ball ability and ability to win freeze and James McLeish's free-taking was the, the, the quality that made the difference. And of course, the exceptional goal that uh, if he had missed, I think uh, <laughs> he would have been having nightmares for weeks to come. Uh, but, it, you know, it wrapped up the game and uh, the scoreline probably didn't reflect fairly on Dorsey at all, who who should have won the game, really.
0: And that goal, Cash and Toner uh, was the hero... Yeah. Arrow- he, he came on in the second half and I was on commentary for this game really on RMR TV and I don't think I mentioned his name for the length of time he was on and suddenly just found himself in a bit of space and bang, what a goal to knock into in to win the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, and as I said, it, it, was a, it was a goal fitting to win a Championship semi-final and the uh, 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 will have gained a bit from their experience from last year and I think... um they'll uh they'll be looking forward to a final against cross McGlenn. They um will have to improve. There's no doubt about that. You know, and uh Callum Callum O'Neill recovering from the injury, hopefully it's not too serious, would be massive loss for them for the final, you know, and that cross cross's quality around the middle and the depth that they have, you know, Callum would be a huge miss.
0: And no doubt both teams will have to improve and want to improve from um, blow power displays at the weekend, and again, hard luck to Derry News and Darcy. It's, it's obviously tough to take losing championship semi-finals when you're so close. Um, we we'll move on to the intermediate championship on two more semi-finals right? where with Carr Croppen taking on Tully Sarn on Saturday evening, and on Sunday it was Colville and Sarsfield in probably the big game of the weekend. But we'll start with Saturday night's action, Carr Croppen. Um, Peter Nugent was happy on Saturday night taxing that his, his tip paid off he um, went against us we felt Tully Sarns experience and I felt their better forwards was enough to get them over the line but as it turned out it was the the youth of Carrick and on, on their forwards that really dragged them over the line and special mention has to go to the likes of um, Richard Keenan, Owen Woods, Tiernan Kelly I thought they were absolutely superb and really stood up when the game was in the melting pot.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was an enjoyable game and the the quality was quite high given the conditions, you know what I mean? It was a terrible night for football and uh, I think that uh, over the, the 60, 65 odd minutes that, that was played, Carr Clubham adjusted to those conditions a bit better and I thought that their first touch, Uh, In particular, from the forward line, the ability to win the ball clean that Tully Sarn struggled with, particularly in the second half against the wind, made a massive difference. Uh, You highlighted um, some of the players of and Kelly for his ability to win a a, a couple of marks um, as well. Tex took some scores from play, a fantastic mark, you know, and uh, Kai Kruppen in the second half were able to, have that outlet that tully really struggled played a lot of ball through the hands in particular as i said brian kelly played very well and was as was orchestrating really the game for tully and they had a lot of possession but you know we struggled to convert that into scores because they couldn't make the ball stick in the full forward lane they couldn't get their quality players onto clean ball to get away you know mark mckeever you know kept relatively quiet uh, it looked like um car got a lot of their matchups Right, uh, and Martin Kiever kept relatively quiet. Eddie Mullen scored an early goal, but couldn't really get into it. Gavin Conlon, you know, struggled. So, and that that was where the win of the game was. You know, for Kruppen, where Stephen Laharn, you know, picked off two superb points. Jen Kelly, Owen Woods, you know, and that pace, the broken pace, uh, and attacked Tony Sarn on the counter attack. Um, really to uh to pick them off.
0: Yeah, it was that pace. I, I just felt Kerr Kruppen were awesome going forward. While on the flip side, really apart from Owen Daly for Tully Sauron, I don't think they had that driving, you know, electrifying pace that Kerr had. But you touched on Stephen Loughran there, and I want to mention him too, because um some of the older heads deserve credit for the Kear Kruppen win as well. It wasn't just all their youth that got them through. Loughran, as you said, he scored two great points. He set up a couple of frees and he won the set up a couple of scores and won the penalty as well. So he he had a huge impact in that second half.
1: Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Um, And I suppose just w- when you mentioned some of the more experienced players, w- it would be remiss of us not to mention Blaine Hughes in, in, in Nets, you know, and especially in the second half with the wind, you know, his quality of kickout, his kickout, you know, 65, 70 yards straight to Taryn Kelly ball into the box, Sean Black, uh, wet, slippy night, you know, the ball was just head onto the crossbar and that penalty really, really brought Karr back into the game and, you know, negated whatever wind advantage, you know, that Tully Sarn had built up in the first half, you know, that was wiped out within the first two minutes of the second half, but Blaine Hughes' kickouts, I thought, uh, were outstanding. Uh, the 65, uh, he scored a 50 as well, you know, as well, and he really... Uh, Carcup and one you know I didn't see the exact figure but dominated their own kickouts which meant that you know they had a, a firm grip on their possession Uh, to and not only that kicked over you know kicked over the Tully Sarn press a lot you know and they were able therefore to get their forwards on to uh, you know free ball before Tully Sarn could get set up you know and, uh, and he was outstanding
0: Yeah I think the stats I had was the 17 kickouts and there were 15 of them and, and he he can kick with his left foot, he can kick with his right foot, he can um, be the sweeper-keeper that we know he, he is. He defends that six-yard box brilliantly, and as you said, come up and score a point as well. So Blaine Hughes, again, showing why he, he's the number one goalkeeper in the county, and mm-hmm. are very lucky to have him. He, he was a real driving force getting them to the semi-final, and again, um, a real driving force in getting them over the line as well. Um, his kickouts were incredible, Rory, and as you touched on, there was one of them in particular that led to the pounder and it was one of them long ones in the second half. That I think he went long with every kick out in the second half, and um cropped got a couple of scores off it. But that 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 goal that was created, um, all came from Blaine Hughes' kick out.
1: Yeah, straight from Blaine Hughes' kick out, and I have to say I have some empathy for um Kevin Hanaway who was uh, on uh, it was O'Grady, wasn't it for the um. For, for 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 the or was it Stephen Laherne Stephen, for Sorry, Stephen Loughran, yeah for, for the um for the penalty it was a wet night the two players went down contesting the ball I thought the penalty maybe was a slightly harsh call and as I said it was a it was a turning point in the game that you know Tully Soren had been probably reasonably happy with the first half you know come in two or three points in front having played you know within themselves but were showing enough you know and were controlling possession you know um, and keeping the ball well but that therefore when Car Cloppen then got in front Tully Sauron had to come out and chase the game and it left gaps behind that Car Cloppen could and had the pace to pick them off you know with Woods and Kelly in particular
0: and I suppose Tully Soren won't be making excuses so we're not going to make excuses for them but they did pick up two injuries inside the first 15 or 20 minutes and that's obviously a huge blow to, to any team in a championship semi-final um they lost their fullback, Adrian Conlon, and I think it was Kieran
1: Mullen as well yeah. that go off injured. Two very experienced players for Tully Sarn as well, you know, especially in, in a tight game like that. You know, players that have, you know, won championships before Tully Sarn played in intermediate finals as well with Tully Sarn, So they were definitely a blow. And around midfield, I thought Tully Sarn began to struggle as the game went on, particularly in the second half, and Kieran Mullen was a miss around there for him in terms of his ability to field the ball and to link to link play for them, you know and Kieran also has a quality to, to kick a score you know so he was a miss and again Adrian Conlon's experience in the full back line, you know the the matchups uh, we felt that uh, when I felt that Carr Club and full back lane dealt particularly well with the quality forwards whereas I, I thought that in the second half in particular the, the car Club and forwards got on top and won a lot of those uh, battles and Adrian Conlon definitely would have been a miss there you know
0: and we spoke about Blaine. We'll go back to Blaine here. We spoke about him in the preview and how he was going to come out and he was going to play a sweeper-keeper and he was going to push forward and he was going to come out on the Tully-Sawing kickouts. And he did all that. I didn't think he was as effective on the Tully-Sawing kickouts. He didn't come out to the middle of the field. He sort of just stood in front of his own 45. Um, but there was plenty of times he joined the attack. And There was one time Tully-Sawing tried to work the ball and Mark McKeever had a half chance and McKeever was always going to take the shot. But it just wasn't really a goal opportunity, and Blaine got back in time. What what did you make of that? Um, really that tactic from Kierkegaard, and it's obviously one they've been practicing and one they'll use again in the final.
1: Yeah, well, I think it, it did impact uh, Tully Sarn's decision making on their kick out. You know, and it it uh, with the wind, it didn't allow them to go long because Blaine Hughes was uh, occupying that space that Tully Sarn may have wanted to go long. Over the top into, as you say, I didn't think Blaine. Just the way the game was, it was a tight, tight, wet night. Blaine didn't take as many risks, maybe uh coming out uh in possession as he would have, as he would have, you know. Had the game been say on Sunday, you know, which was a which, which was a better day, you know what I mean, and a better a better day for football. But uh, again, it is it is an advantage that and have, you know what I mean. That a lot of teams in intermediate don't have a keeper of that of that quality, both in you know in nets in kickouts and uh, can play outfield he, he actually played full forward against us in the league so you know that's where <laughs> you know he, he, he's a quality player
0: and you mentioned Tully Sarn's early goal um, Eddie Mullen was the one that got ended, it and um, you just he couldn't pick it up on the armor uh, TV coverage but he he done the Conor O'Callaghan turn he he come out from the corner ju- just drifting out and short turn and he's in behind the defence slip the ball and scores a goal. And Tully Soren just couldn't really build on that momentum. Um, they got that early goal, but Cropping got the next four points and suddenly they were a point up and it was game on then.
1: Yeah, and and that uh, early quality ball that Eddie uh, Malen got was really one of the only, uh, you know, quality balls that Tully Soren were able to deliver in and make stick, you know, all night. And that was a constant problem for them you know they they had a lot of possession as we said but weren't able to make that stick to uh, give their quality forwards a chance even on the loop you know to get enough scores off you know it was going to be a low scoring game the way the conditions were you know but uh, Krupp and therefore were a wee bit more clinical you know and making those opportunities stick making the ball stick Tully Sorn were putting themselves under pressure as the ball kept coming back out kept coming back out on them
0: and obviously as the end of the game came Tully Sorn were trying ferociously hard to get a goal and just couldn't find one. And I would always chuckle to myself when um, Richard Keenan had the last three. Um, as soon as lefty, his booty let a roar out of him, it was clearly over the bar before the umpire even had the, the flag raised. That was the insurance point. That was four points up. And very fair play to Carrick Cup. I, I made the point on the preview show that they really had nothing to lose. That, Whatever happened, it was going to be a successful season, winning the league, getting promotion and reaching a championship semi-final. But now reaching a, a championship final from Division 2B, it's a massive achievement.
1: Yeah, and look, they, they, they were the best team in Division 2, you know, over this extended, you know, COVID period of, you know, our our, our league played over two years. There's no doubt Carcop have been the outstanding team in 2B. And... Uh, they they deserve their place, you know, in the final, you know, Tully Sean were one of the favorites. I tipped Tully Sean last week, you know, and we both felt that with the quality of forwards that, you know, they would make the difference. But you no, know, Car are well organized. Um by by Flynn has them in, in um in good shape. I know their S and C work that they're putting in, you know, um is a, is of great standard. They're working a lot in Blaine's uh, gym and they're doing good work down there so they are a side on the way up you know what I mean and can probably feel that they can push on in 2A next year as well you know Tully Sarn's a team that competes in the top of 2A you know and I think that it'll give and great confidence going into the final you know knowing that they've beat a team of, of Tully Sarn's standard and that uh, yeah they shouldn't have anything to fear for next year going forward in 2A either
0: yeah, no doubt. It. It's going to do their confidence, the world of good. And as we say, we keep saying this young team coming up there, they're going to be a force for um, the next few years. They're going to be Colville in the final, who um I will take credit for winning. I, I tipped them. Um, I, I felt that they were playing so well against Shannon and St Paul's and they carried that form into the athletic rounds on Sunday afternoon. Again, um, I again no doubt about it, Rory Colville wore the better team on display on Sunday.
1: No, no doubt about that. I think, uh, but uh, with regards to the game as a whole, I think this was the best game of the Intermediate Championship standard-wise to date. The the uh, the quality of scores taken, um, Collie Stevenson, uh, you know, Eamon McGillan took one or two good points uh, and from um, Hatzer and Garvey and... Uh, uh, Niall Rowland's goal was probably goal of the championship, you know what a move so far, but yeah you know were, I to be honest with you, I tipped Sarsfields, we had played Sarsfields ourselves, I felt that, you know, they hadn't really got out of third gear in this championship yet, you know, that they'd, they'd, they'd beat Clonmore, you know, by six or seven points and, and beat White Cross the same without really having to push themselves too far um, and Cullerville uh, you know, came out with that intensity that that we know we can. You know, the um and the league result meant absolutely nothing, uh, but there was a feeling in and you could feel it in the crowd. Sean, you know, there was a huge passion with Cullaville. They 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 came with a great belief, obviously, that they could win the game, and that was very apparent from the first minute of the game. Their aggression. You know, and uh, their their tackling in the middle third was ferocious early on, and Sarsfields really struggled to you know to to get their through the hands game going. Colville pressed really hard in the middle third, didn't let them build up easy. You know, put all their forwards under a lot of pressure uh, when taking shots, and really made it very very difficult for Sarsfields to score. You know, Sarsfields had to work really really hard for their scores throughout the game, and actually done quite well to stay in touch because Colville were on top in a lot of areas of the pitch. You know, has worked very, very hard to stay with them.
0: Yeah, and Collaville. We'll talk about their forwards, I suppose first, um, and we'll we'll move on to Niall Rowland after, because I think he deserves nearly a conversation on his own. But up front, yeah, Derek Wynn, centre half forward, you had Garvey inside, Cal Hotzer, um, Colin Waters. We spoke about Johnny Hanratty being a, a brilliant sub to bring on. Colin Waters coming on. Really, that that put the game to bed. He kicked three points in that last quarter to seal the deal for um Collaville. But Sourcefields, we were trying to think of our matchups last week, and we just weren't sure how they were going to line up. On Sourcefields' defense, just were second best all day, particularly with Hotzer.
1: Yeah, and I think um. Tactically, Colville got their tactics spot on, you know, and uh, the the long ball in um, to the forward line and used the height advantage of Hatcher and Garvey to win that primary possession with um, Dara Quinn and um, the other half forward was uh, oh, James, James, James King. King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fed off them very well, you know, and the spread of scores in the forward line, you know, a huge amount of scores from play t- tells you its own story, you know, with James King with two points, Dara, Dara Quinn with three you know, uh, but they used the height advantage really well. We weren't sure about Sargefield's height at the back. They hadn't really been tested, you know, both Clonmore and White Cross really sat back, you know, whereas uh, Colville played a very aggressive, direct brand of football that really, uh, you know, tactically uh, was the correct decision, you know. now Rowan's ability to pick up the short kick out and to kick 50, 60 yard passes uh, down either wing of the athletic grounds, you know, really, really took um, Sargefield's Uh, middle strength out of the game you know Sarsfields had been dominating break ball in uh, both their earlier championship games Colville didn't 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 let them have that won the majority of their own kickouts you know went you know not short short but medium short kickouts around their own 45 and won a lot of possession clean there and were able to get out over over the Sarsfields press onto their big man. And that was the win of the game. And that 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 was the threat from right from the first minute till the last, you know, Colville stuck to their game plan very, very well.
0: And I observed them, you
1: know. try one
0: Now Rowland's link-up play with Hotzer was, was you could see it easily that every time Rowland got the ball, head up and he was looking for Hotzer. And some of his passes, you said it, very 50, 60-yard passes, Unbelievable kick passes from Roland, but not only that, he, he got in a lot of hard work and um, a couple of good tackles, um, in in the middle of the field as well. He got a huge point at one stage, and um, from maybe fifty yards out on his goal, as you say, was probably the goal of the championship. He had drifted forward, um, no nobody was picking him up, and Garvey put the ball into the middle and Roland maybe twenty one yard line and bang a bullet to the back of the net, but. Um, we'll talk about how good Roland was and maybe how Sarsfield struggled to defend against them. Um firstly, Roland, unbelievable, superb game from Roland again. That's a, that's his third in a row now that he's he's been outstanding.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and the the matchup, um, it was uh, Keelan Skelton and uh, on Roland, and they both went and played their own game, and I didn't feel that that worked well. Keelan Skelton's a good player, and you know, got on quite an a decent amount of ball for Sarch as well, but to ha- to leave Roland with the free roll um, I felt it was a mistake, and therefore he was able to dictate the pace of the game, um, for Sarchfield for Colville. and you could see his quality was, uh, you know, apparent from right in the off, and his kick passing was outstanding. The goal w- was a, a massive score. Um, came out and started the second half, and Sarsfields had done quite well, you know to, to be, to, to be within, you know, close at half time. Um, given that uh, Colville would have had the wind advantage in the first half, but that that burst, um, it, it was poor defending from Sarsfields. Four or five defenders all got sucked to the ball and a great uh, outside of the left boot pass left rolling free and as i said sarchfield's really struggled to get that goal back that that advantage was nearly there all of the half you know even when collie stevenson especially in the second half scored two points maybe three points in a row you know they could never get that goal advantage back and it kept colorville with their noses in front all the time and then as the game were on Colville were able to pick them off on the break with now roland's passing you know out of defense and the long ball um, Meant that Colville were able to pick them off as the game went on and were deserving winners. You know, four points didn't flatter them, they, they were deserving winners in the end.
0: And the matchups were, um, Caelan Skelton, as you said, he's an attack minded midfielder, there's no doubt about it. He has been for um, the last couple of years. I remember he scored a hot trick one time against Cross McGlen in the senior championship, but to, to put him on Roland was just strange because it let Roland play his own game you'd have thought maybe they were going to put a, a sticky man marker on him, um, which didn't seem to materialise. But it's worth noting that Rowland actually started in the defence. He actually picked up um, Paul McGowan early on. But as the game developed, then he obviously came out and played his midfield role and played it superbly well. Um, Sarsfields, yeah, when they were in the senior championship a couple of years ago, they were known as goal scorers. I remember I'd done a club focus with um Eamon McGowan in 2020. And I look back at the 10 years Sarsfields had been in the senior championship and they were the second highest goal scorers, apart from Cross McLean, and Cross McGlain obviously played so much more games than Sarsfields had. Um, one goal in the championship just doesn't reflect the goal threat that they, they really carry.
1: No, I, but I think that they've changed how they're playing. They're playing a less direct brand of football than they were in senior. Um. And it, it didn't it didn't suit them you know in this championship you know they uh, they scored a goal against clon moore was the only goal as you say in the championship but it, it was very apparent that they weren't playing that direct style of ball paul mcgiong was in full forward for a lot of time in the in the second half and it wasn't until the 27th minute of the second half that they kicked the first ball into him you know and colorville um, fergal roland in particular there at the back really blocked up that middle channel and sarsfield struggled to get the overlaps through Kevin McAllinton did, you know, um, did make some good runs and scored one or two nice points, but they could never get inside. You know, they didn't, they never really looked like threatening to score a goal, bar one or two high balls at the end, maybe flashed across the post. But tactically, you know, they seemed to be happy to run the ball through the hands with Eamon McGown and these guys scoring in the loop. Um, and therefore, it looked like it was going to take a goal for them to win that game. You know, they couldn't get their noses in front. And, you know, but the way they're playing, they're not um, driving that ball into Paul McJone. They're not playing with that target man really anymore.
0: And Sarsfields, on the previous show, I spoke about the Athletic Grounds hoodoo that seems to be hanging over them. They haven't won in the Athletic Grounds. And I'm not sure how long, but it, it must be maybe 20 or 30 years at this stage because they hadn't won in the last 10 years. The one intermediate final, in 2010, but that was in Cross McGland because the Athletic Grounds was getting redeveloped, which it had been for the decade or so before that. So I'm not sure when any, maybe any Sarsfields or um, Lurgan fanatics out there could tell me a date when the last one in the in the um, Athletic Grounds, but it came back to bite them once again, right? And I'm not sure how much you believe in hoodoos or curses, but it just didn't work out on the day in the Athletic Grounds once again for Sarsfields.
1: Yeah, and it was strange, you know, um, but the, the big pitch suited the way Colville were playing and that space, you know, and their ability to isolate their their, their big men one-on-one against Sarsfield's smaller defenders, you know, um, was key. And the big pitch didn't suit, didn't suit their game, you know. Um, and look, at you know, I'm not sure, as we said, about Mayo and hoodoos last week, but uh, unfortunately it wasn't anything to do with hoodoos uh, on Sunday. I just think that Colville tactically had got their game plan right uh, mentally and their aggression, you know, you could see it, um, were well, well, well up for the game. And as I said, that was so apparent from the crowd and, and the roars early on from their scores. And the way Colourville celebrated after the game, you know what I mean? You could see how much it meant to them. And there are a group of players that has been relegated. They've had a tough season, you know, but as you said, the championship has lifted, you know, the year. And that really, that result against Shane has turned the year around for them. You know, that this was a club that was, struggling, they're going down to 2B but now they could be looking at going to Division 1B, you know it's a massive turnaround
0: Where you mentioned it there and I think that's a nice way to end it the celebrations at the end for both Cullerville and Kerkruppen were coming into this championship Kerkruppen obviously with the momentum of winning Division 2B behind them but as you say, Cullerville relegated um, they're, it's a final turn nobody would have called at the start of the year and rightly they celebrated at the end of the final whistle, both teams
1: yeah, well, I think that um, the, the championship took a while to come alight. This year, the Intermediate Championship, you know, when we had, you know, apart from Colville and Shane O'Neill's really was the outstanding tie of the first round. You know, a lot of other games had went till, till form and, and where we had all predicted, but the two semifinals really, you know, came to life and, and the passion, you know, of this young um, car club and team facing, a rejuvenated, you know, Colville team. And so I, w- I didn't mention uh, as much. You maybe mentioned just on, on Collie Waters coming on and the difference he made in the second half, you know, and that experience that, that Colville had, you know, and again, like, like Cross McGlynn, to have a player of that quality to bring on, to score three points from play in a championship semi-final, you know, in, in 30 minutes of football was outstanding. And, and to have someone like that, having Collie fully fit for the final would be a massive boost for Collaville, you know, and with a forward line, you know, the spread of scores that that um, Colville had, you know, with Collie Waters, James King, Hotzer, uh, Jarvey, Niall Rowland, you know, that you know they really played, they played well all over the pitch, and the quality of scores, you know, came from over, and that that'll definitely breathe great confidence into them going into the final. You know that that they are in good form.
0: No doubt there's two teams going into that game full of confidence and, as you say, in top form. And It's definitely one we're looking forward to. We're also looking forward to the Cross and and Um, final, the junior final. That'll be the same weekend then. Games are taking place in two weeks' time. Um, next up, we'll be back on Thursday with our preview show and we'll be looking forward to the senior championship semi-finals as Clan Iron um, take on Bally McNabb on Sunday. But first on Saturday night, it's Cross against Silverbridge Make sure, as always, to keep voting for your Player of the Week um, who will receive a Player Fit player of the Week jersey and the Team of the Week will be re- released, as usual, on Wednesday. Rory, thanks very much for coming on. It was great hearing your thoughts on all the games over the weekend.
1: Thanks, Sean. A pleasure to be on, as always.
0: On the, the right person yeah, you in the right
1: team. Yeah, so I'm off the for the Equalizer. This is Kira Donnelly for point number 10. Oh, it's You're shining light. You are the light is
0: alive. It's
1: up to Kira McGinney, the cop